Hello there. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shadowpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by my co-host, Amon Kusro. How are we doing today, Amon? Hello there. We are doing well. We're excited. Just been really enjoying being a Star Wars fan lately, I think. Ain't that the truth? Lord Balin, guide us everywhere. And Shin. Oh, the two of those characters, obviously two of the best characters in recent Star Wars history, but quickly scaling the list of some of the best Star Wars characters, period. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of that has to do with just Ray's performance. And I forget the actress who plays Shin Hadi, but she does an amazing job as well. But there's just something so amazing about Force users who tap into both sides of the Force. You know, the fact that they are Jedi, but they're not Jedi, but then they're also Force choking people. It's cool. I really enjoy it. Dark Jedi were a big part of the old Legends canon. And one of my favorite parts, because they're not Sith, you know? And it's cool to see them explore that. And also, Dave is exploring a lot of other stuff on that show. You know, no spoilers here. I'll be on our Ahsoka content. But even some of the stuff being explored with Sabine, that's straight out of Legends. Some of the ineptitudes she's having, though gifted other ways. I, I just find it very interesting. So I, I'm very enamored with the show as a whole. But yeah, Ray's absolutely killing it. I mean, Lord Balin's quickly becoming one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters. I mean, he is truly convicted by his own plan his own compass yeah i will echo that i very quickly on just watching the trailer i felt some sort of gravitational pull towards oh, yeah. skull and to the point where i'd actually made my profile picture on discord like a still right. of him holding the original not the original but the a still of him holding the orange lightsaber and so very excited to see how that unfolds. Of course, as Jesse mentioned, no spoilers for Ahsoka, but if you're not watching, you need to be watching. And if you are watching, gosh, hit us up and we'd love to talk to you about it. Yeah, and this is a segment we're going to return to on our show and very shortly after our sponsors here in a minute, but kind of what's been going on with us in Star Wars in our own universes outside of Star Wars Shatterpoint. But before we get to that, Amon, we got some cool topics today that we want to get to, but before that, we got to thank some sponsors. We do. Hello There is supported by Mr. Laser-Square.site, your resource for everything Star Wars Shatterpoint. Check them out and you can get great deals on Shatterpoint and other tabletop wargaming products. You can use the code HelloThere5, that's all lowercase with the number 5, for 5% off your order. That's right. And of course, Hello There is supported by Imperial Terrain, the number one authority in Star Wars themed terrain STLs for Star Wars Shatterpoint, Star Wars Legion, and beyond. He's got a lot of new products on his website, namely the GOAT, which is an awesome ATST-themed cargo walker that is very fun to duel on within Shatterpoint, and a lot of stuff in the works. And I'm on, we're about to talk about our Patreon, but our patrons are now getting the chance to get raffles of Imperial Terrain STLs as well. So big shout out to Imperial Terrain. Use the code HelloThere5 at checkout to get 5% off your digital STL files. Absolutely. Very lucky to have partnered with Imperial Terrain and then, of course, Mr. Laser as well. So big shout out to both of them. And now we're going to jump to our patrons. Hello There is supported by our patrons at patreon.com slash hellotherecast. We're going to take this time now to thank all of our newest patrons. And this includes Eric and Josh at the Padawan and Acolyte level and Peter 
in parentheses, Age of Miniatures. And Rich, thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Thank you, new patrons and members of our private Discord community. Once again, if you're interested in helping the show grow and supporting us in our endeavors and helping us pay our bills, getting access to our private Discord and private leagues and things like that, definitely check out the Patreon tiers. Additionally, we're dropping episodes of the Candid Cantina feed where Amon and I go off script, talk about a lot of stuff on the second feed of the podcast, which is very fun. But of course, we cannot end this patron segment without the most important leaders in our patron community. Producers, that's Rusty Jedi Survivor, Jello Jedi Pirate, and Bounty Hunter Brady. Absolutely. Thank you to our producers. We also have to give the ultimate shout out to our executive producers. Very excited because we previously had and always have had Sith Emperor Kevin, who is joined shortly after by Grand Master Griffin. And now we have a third executive producer as well. This is awesome. Which is super exciting. Yeah. He's not chosen the light or the dark. He's chosen the path of scum and villainy. So we have Crime Lord Daimyo Matt. So thank you, Daimyo Matt. Yes. Thank you to Kevin, Griffin, and Matt for being our executive producers. We sincerely appreciate it. Absolutely. You guys make this show happen. You make this community continue to grow. So all right, Amon, let's get into our main topic today, which is all sorts of fun Star Wars content and Star Wars Shatterpoint discussions. So one thing that we want to talk about more on this podcast is how much we love Star Wars, right? Which yeah, if you is didn't know. pretty evident because we, <laughs> we run a Star Wars podcast, but more so in the fact that outside of Shatterpoint and outside of Ahsoka and some of the other more mainstream things right now, that Jesse and I are really enjoying just being Star Wars fans in a multitude of, if, of ways. And so for me, particularly, I have started to fall in love and really deep dive into some of these Star Wars comics. So I subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, and so there's a ton of Star Wars comics there. And I came across these comics called Star Wars Infinities. Got them on my shelf right over here, I'm on. They're very fun. Yeah, they're really cool. So I'm not going to spoil anything, but I highly recommend our listeners to check them out. If you're interested, a brief synopsis is that imagine, for example, you're watching A New Hope, and Luke doesn't blow up the Death Star. He fails to do so. Misses the shot. Yeah. In the comic, it says the torpedoes detonated too early. So they didn't make it all the way to the reactor, right? Mm-hmm. And so that idea is what happens to the whole Star Wars plot if Luke misses, right? Or fails to destroy the Death Star. Some wild stuff happens. And what's really cool is that each, there's three comic runs, I think, and then each yeah. of them are comprised of four different chapters, right, or comics. So one is, did Luke not blow up Death Star? Then there's one based Empire Strikes Back where in a pivotal moment, it doesn't work out the way that our heroes needed it to work out. So what are the ripple effects from that? Yeah. And then, of course, there's one for Return of the Jedi as well. So I just finished the New Hope one last night. Very interesting read. Fun. It's fun. It's a, it's a what if, right, for Star Wars. I mean, we love it, right? Because at this point in history for us, Star Wars is modern fantasy myth in our culture, right? In our pop culture. Like Star Wars is modern hero's journey myths. I mean, George set out to accomplish what he did. So it's so fun to see alt histories, alt stories of things that are so synonymous with what everybody knows, right? Exactly. Yeah. I was a big fan of the What If series for Marvel. Yeah. And so the fact that such a thing exists and it's quote unquote canon, right? Yeah. It's quite exciting. Yeah. As a Yoda fan, I really like these comics because Yoda mm. has to do some different things. 
than he does in the original trilogy. Yeah. Side note, no spoilers, but yeah, we won't, I won't, I won't respond to that just because I want the readers mm-hmm. to listen to it. Maybe we'll do a candid cantina where we talk about these a little bit more. Yeah. But that's what I've been doing in the Star Wars universe outside of, of course, Ahsoka and Shatterpoint. Jesse, what have you been doing? Great question, Amon. So I was finishing that Queen trilogy that I started for our series, getting up on Padme's lore. So it's a it's an entire trilogy by E.K. Johnson. That's been really fun. Yeah, the first book being Queen's Peril. I say the first book. It actually came out second. But the first book being the entire life of Padme as the Queen, slash her getting the Queen job. And then, of course, the events of episode one, which we mainly talked about in our episode. Then Queen's Shadow when she's passing the torch of the queen and what that looks like in her, tra- her transition to the senator. And then Queen's Hope, which is the final book. It focuses mainly on the Senate and the end of Padme's life. So I've been reading those. and Those have been really fun. The first two books in particular really have resonated with me and really worked. I talked about on the very Padme episode. If you missed our Padme episode, definitely check it out. I think it's one of our best lore segments yet because we got to do what AMG has kind of devised in this game I'm on where we got to really hyper focus on who is this character in this moment, right? So in the in our case of the game, who is Queen Padme, right? Who is Queen Padme Amidala? And we got to do that in lore. And these books were really amazing for that. E.K. Johnson also wrote the Ahsoka novel as well, which a lot of the events from Star Wars Tales were pulled straight out of her novel. Stuff with Ahsoka on the farm in particular. So that's been really fun. Other than that, I've been trying to learn more about this new Star Wars game coming very soon, Star Wars Hunters. And I shared this with Amon. You know, they announced this game about 13 months ago or so, and they've been periodically dropping content. It's a four versus four arena-based third-person shooter type game that's going to be on mobile devices and some consoles. I'm very curious what this game's actually going to be. Video game, keep in mind. So you're right. Jesse shared this with me, and I started... I went down a little rabbit hole. I started looking at a bunch of stuff and it's pretty cool. I mean, they do a really good job of, I think, running the gamut of what it means to be a Star Wars fan in terms of the races and the different types of classes yeah. that you can play. So there is a, a very beat up Imperial Stormtrooper heavy gunner. They call him Sentinel. So he he's looks just walking sick. around. Yeah. yeah, he looks sick. He reminds me of, do you remember in the SWOTOR Star Wars Old Republic? Of course cinematic trilogies they had that uh i guess commando who got like half his face blown up by a grenade and he was walking around with a giant gatling laser gun or whatever that's pretty cool that's pretty much this guy right but the stormtrooper version i'm aging myself i'm on but he reminds me of heavy from team fortress 2 which of course is the initial game that all these games came out of overwatch and everything came out of team fortress 2 so yeah the heavy guy the guy with the big gun that walks slow and he's got the gatling gun and uh yeah you know, and he's a heavy stormtrooper. Very cool, right? But he, like you said, he's really beat up. Maybe he's not with the Empire anymore, you know? Yeah, maybe. And there's also a clone trooper named Heavy, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe inspiration from that. There's a bunch of cool stuff. I mean, obviously, you have like your Wookiee brawler, right? He's just walking around with two giant Wookiee clubs. They're like Imperial droid arms. Very evocative of our new Chewie we have with the IG arms in his hands. That's true. His name is Graz. They actually look like K2 modeled arms. So sorry, K2, they got ripped up by this, maybe. Mm, I do like that they do have the obligatory light side and dark side characters. So the dark side assassin, she looks pretty cool. Her name is Reeve. She's a she human. She looks cool. Yeah. Tattoos. Yeah. Very interesting. 
What I find <laughs> most interesting, and honestly, it kind of annoyed me when I really figured out what his name was because I was just listening to it and they called him by his name. But his you know, name, I'm excited. Yeah. I know you're excited. So, listener, I'm going to start in the in way his name is because I just want you to kind of build in that process that I was having. Very good. So, the name that I heard was J3PI. Turns out it was actually J3DI. And there's a dash between the J and the three. Exactly. Now, if you were to write Jedi on a calculator, <laughs> you're going to get, well, not even on a calculator. Some but 90s stuff. Flip, it's some, flip yeah, the numbers it's, upside down. What it was it spell? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. it it kind of annoys me yeah. that it's just Jedi, but J3DI. But I also think it's quite creative. Very clearly, this game is marketed to all ages, right? It's a brawler kind of 4v4 game. And a lot of the characters are kind of very tongue in cheek. Like it's kind of a cartoonish style. And it's definitely leaning to the more fun side of Star Wars. Like, so we have a Jedi droid, is what we're talking about now, right? Which is bizarre, but also very cool. And keeping that theme going on, we have like Slingshot, who is a Ugnaught who's driving a droidica, right? Stuff like that. Like he's like, maybe the droidica is deprogrammed, right? And now he can just control it like it's a machine, right? So they're really leaning to that kind of like fun. And keeping that going too, I mean, there is Utini, which is one of the phrases the Jawas say, right? And it's two Jawas standing on top of each other with guns and weapons, right? So I mean, it's not just a Jawa, it's two Jawas. So think ice climbers and super smash brothers or something like that right so i don't know it's they're really having fun with this game time will tell when this game comes out if it's any good i mean we're excited to try it but i'm also i don't know maybe just play this wookie and just have fun with that be this wookie tank you know yeah it reminds me of like overwatch meets star wars meets apex legends for sure some Fortnite, i guess maybe too yeah the, and the fact that it's Mostly on mobile and Switch means that, you know, maybe this is something that you can play and pick up on the go. I don't know. Honestly, they should sponsor us because we've talked about this for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to play it. And keeping this going, a lot of the theme, it is Star Wars Hunters, right? So a lot of the theme is bounty hunters, smugglers. And most characters we haven't talked about are bounty hunters and smugglers, right? That are just trying to make some money fighting in these arenas, right? So time will tell keep an eye on it we'll talk about it on other feeds and stuff but something would be really fun to play like with you listeners right maybe we could all play this in the future at some point like together team-based stuff you know we'll see i will say some of the like generic rebel hero generic bounty hunters those characters interest me less i think i'm more interested in like the the more random characters you know and that's kind of how i play these games i do have a pretty deep history with these team fortress 2 and a little bit overwatch and MOBAs, and I'm curious what elements from those games are in here. It seems like a lot, so we'll see. I'm really curious, like, I guess I'm most excited about this game on because I want to see the stat and ability differences between the characters, and if those are diverse. Yeah, it's interesting. I wouldn't say that this game is my normal cup of tea, but because it's Star Wars, I'm willing to give it a go. For sure. What I would love to see, actually, is like a Star Wars version of Marvel Snap. I would love that. Well, that would be, that'd be nice. Yeah. Star Wars card game, digital card game. That'd be fun, too. Yeah, your boy would quit his job and Twitch stream that. <laughs> That'd be the number one Sith Lord. There it is. There it is. We don't need that in our life, alone. We got too much stuff to do here on Shatterpoint for a Star Wars snap to be out. That would that'd be a lot of work. True that. True that. Well, let's talk about Star Wars Shatterpoint. Let's talk about that. So some new characters are coming to the game, which is very exciting to us. If you guys listened to our last episode, no surprise to anyone, we're very excited about Primary Luke, Primary Vader, and side tangent, I'm very excited about Master Plo. 
So we were thinking, what are these characters bringing to the game, number one, in theory, because we don't really know what's in their pack shit, right, all the way. And Luke, we have the most cohesive pieces with, but we still have all the trees, right? And then how are we going to build with these characters? Because they are so new, and Vader and Luke in particular, where are they going to fit them on? How can we actually make them work in a normal list, right? Because they are the first instances of full-on Rebel and full-on Empire, right? And I know the Inquisitors are Empire, right? But they're cross-era. They get a pass. They do. And so I was really wanting to try Jedi Luke out in a game. Because well, yeah. Come on. Why not? You know, Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker. So I was trying to think, and I was talking to Jesse about this actually just off the cuff the other day. And I was like, man, I think I really want to try Luke in our next, you know, league game for our patrons. Yeah. And Jesse was like, well, how are you going to build the list? I mean, he's rebels only, right? Age of Rebellion. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. We're going to do it now on the air. Yeah, we're going to do that. So immediately what I did is it jumped on and then Jesse was like, well, let's just wait to talk about it on the podcast. So here we are. Here we are. And so let's talk about it, right? So if I want to play Jedi Knight Luke Skywalker, seven strike points, what am I going to do? So the first thing, obviously, is I'm going to pair him with his daddy, Darth Vader, because Luke is a combat melee powerhouse. Yeah. And so is his father. So he Darth is his Vader, father's son. Jedi Hunter, to clarify, yeah. Yeah, not Emperor's Servant. I'm going to take Jedi Hunter Darth Vader. And then I was like, okay, so what is the purpose of my list? Like, what am I trying to do? Okay. And then honestly, the answer was, I just want to beat stuff up, right? Okay. But I don't want to play Vader Grievous because we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I'm quite tired of everyone talking about Vader Grievous so and playing Vader Grievous. So I was like, let's just mix it up and try something different, but still play the way that I like to play the game. So then I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to make this work? And so I go to my support and I'm like, obviously, fifth brother. <laughs> right? So. Oh, no. There he is. We, we take fifth brother and we throw him in and he's four points. And then I was like, oh, crap. I don't have a three point secondary that I can fit in. Right. And then I was like, uh oh, wait a second. I do have the most recently revealed Stormtrooper Sergeant. There he is. Who has Empire Synergy with fifth brother. Yes. And actually Darth Vader, right? So For sure. That's super exciting. So I'm like, okay, great. And then I'm thinking, well, again, what is the purpose here? It's to have fun and just roll dice, right? Okay. So then I'm thinking, well, I'll take Magna Guards with Vader because why wouldn't you? Yeah. And then for a four-point secondary, I'm thinking, well, if I want to be like more Empire thematic based, I could take Reva. And I do think that Reva gets a lot of grief, but yeah. she's really not that bad. But then I'm thinking, well, just in case my opponent tries to play something super meta, I'll just take Django just in case, right? Just to kind of make up for the fact that I'm kind of messed around with Luke and Storm in Super case. Sergeant. Yeah. No, it's true. It's to, true. To be fair, it all, could also be OB2. It could also be Rex. Mm, yeah. E either one, very strong, right? Because at the end of the day, like if Rex is just moving Vader around and being a monster with the Vader leadership, which he is, that's enough, right? And OB2, we know what he's like with the Vader identity. It's kind of silly. Exactly. So the goal is just for Vader and Luke to kind of boss people around on the midline and I like it. beat people up. And my favorite is this Storm Trooper Sturgeon, right? His card art is him just like telling, you go over there with his hand, right? <laughs> Move over there. And I was laughing because like, that's what my Storm Trooper Sergeant's going to do. He's going to be like, all right, Fifth Brother, Lord Vader, Mr. Luke, Magna Guards, you guys just go run and beat people up. Django, you too, buddy. 
I'm just gonna stand on my back point and tell and point and tell y'all what to do. That's all he does. That's pretty so, good. I mean, honestly, I mean, can't complain, really. You know. Yeah, and he gets to give fifth brother an advance. Oh man, so good. I mean, the point of this list is to learn Luke, experience him, and play Luke with the benefit of Vader's insane economy of damage for extra dice. Yeah. And Luke's already going to do normal Luke stuff without the Vader thing, right? So the Vader thing is going to push him over the edge. And then Vader's going to do Vader stuff without Luke, right? So I completely see it. I completely get it. And I'm, it's very exciting, honestly. You know, I can't wait to play Luke in my future as well. Yeah, I have a feeling it'll be a pretty good list and it's most likely being carried by that Vader shell, right? But if you like playing aggro and you like throwing dice, which I think is what Luke and Vader want you to do, then you should do it. It'll work. Also, Luke makes up for a lot of mobility issues of Vader. Not that Vader has a ton. The abundance of jumps isn't really cool in that list, right? Yeah. My so, man Luke loves to jump. The man like jumps. old school Anakin. Oh, he jumps everywhere. I love it. Just for free. Start of his activation tactics, right? So it's a lot of force refreshing too, Amon. So keep that in mind. You can aggressively spend force, which I think is pretty cool as well. So keeping with that theme, I was trying to build my first Plo list. And let's talk about it. So... I was thinking something very similar to Amon where it's like, how can I get all the Padawans on my list and maximize the force use, right? So my first thought is, okay, probably Plo, Mace, but wait a second, when you bring Mace, you can't bring both Padawans, so that's probably out. So maybe Plo, Vader is the way to go, which is very, it just is what it is, but it's maybe the place we're at. So my first thought is Vader with Padawan Ahsoka. So this is like a, this is a what if scenario. This is Vader redeemed, right? Vader redeemed. Quick shout out, by the way. Oh, yeah. Please. Dallas do. Kemp from obviously AMG made AMG a fan. fantastic Vader redeemed conversion from his Darth Vader. And it makes me want to buy my own and do it myself. It looks so good. It's very exciting, right? It really works with the Republic stuff, too. But keeping that Vader redeemed theme going, the list would be Vader, Padawan Ahsoka, Arfs. Okay, that seems pretty good. Yeah. Could also be Rex in the spot, but I'm trying to maximize my Padawan synergy. Then we have Plo, Barris, Clone Commandos. So not only does everybody love Vader's identity, everyone does. I mean, not the ARF so much, but you know, everyone really loves it. It's also every time Plo goes, which clone or Padawan needs movement, which clone or Padawan needs support. I've touted on the show so many times how good Barris is. We. We have touted. We. Barris is insane with Vader. We've talked about this. I know Emperor Kevin's, he's with us in spirit because he's been rocking Barris with Vader for a long time. But the reason why Barris is not with Vader and Padawan Ahsoka is, is because Barris gets her Padawan buff from a Jedi primary. So it's just safer to have her on the plus side, right? Now it's a little bit of overkill because also another theme of this list I'm on is I have more force than a normal Galactic Republic list because I have Vader and I have two force pushes. So this is going to be my next list that I really dig into. This is less aggressive Vader list for sure. We're more using Vader for his force, his mobility, and we're going to aggressively use Plo's push and Barris's push. And we're going to try to make the Padawans always reposition where, where they need to be and get the best benefits out of Plo and Vader respectively. Because Padawan Ahsoka and Barris both, if they get a couple more dice, they just go off. Like their trees get insane, right? So... And also, we all know Padawan Ahsoka is amazing, but she's also very taxing on your force because she has that double jump, right? 
So you've got to give yourself more force for that as well. So it's an experiment I'm trying. Once again, Mace is great, but Mace is locked into that pawns every time scenario. So if you want to live the dream of four sabers on the table like I do, this is the way to do it. Now you could do Obi-Wan instead of Vader, but when that happens, you have one less force. Yeah. Right. Which actually adds up a lot, sadly. Um, And also we know Obi-Wan needs one to two force every turn as well, depending on his wound state, right? So Vader just needs one, honestly. That's all he needs. So I think it's a very strong list. I think it's really fun and a good way to try Plo. And shout out to Emperor Kevin, who's already been rocking Plo Vader for a bit. He's been trying it out. His first foray into the Republic. He's given me inspiration for some of this. But my goal with this is just to get both girls on the table, see what they can do at their highest level. And I think the highest level for both Padawan girls on the table is Vader and Plo, giving them both Plo giving the defensive benefits and dashes and Vader giving them the best their trees can ever be. And time will tell. See how it turns out. Yeah, I'm quite curious to see how that goes. I think in theory it works. The double force push is nice, albeit a little force intensive. Yeah. I'm curious to see how much value you get out of Plo's identity. Mm, yeah. I think in particular the Arfs and Clone Commandos are really going to like that identity because they are kind of fragile. So we'll we'll see for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, cool. Good luck with that. I think that's gonna be fun. So if you're interested in trying a Luke or Plo list, number one, you need Vader because he plugs into both. And then number two, maybe try those out. Have some fun. Obviously, you know, if you're not playing online, you can proxy, but all the stuff is there on the internet. Just print it and play. Well, and Amon, I think our list build, our quick list build was very important because we're gonna talk about some things going on in the game right now, right? And Vader being one of those things, right? So it's a, it's a very good lead-in, but you played a ton of Vader, a lot more than me. And we've also seen some trends with some other characters, namely other primaries, secondaries, and supports that keep coming up. And I think a big reason they keep coming up is the format of the game, but it's also this melee-centric thing we've been talking about over the last several episodes. So what are your thoughts on like the combination of all these things working in tandem? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think I'll break it down a little bit. We'll start with Vader himself. Obviously, Vader is a very powerful piece. He's very potent on the battlefield. And he provides a lot in two ways in which you really want to evaluate a primary, right? Number one, as an individual unit on the battlefield, is he going to be doing quite a bit? And the answer is absolutely yes with Vader. The second portion is, what is he doing for your entire force, your entire team? Well, he brings four force, which is amazing. And then his identity is this global identity that doesn't have any sort of tag or unit restrictions, right? So it's very ubiquitous in its function. And for those reasons, Vader becomes a very popular character. Couple that with the fact that most people who play miniature wargaming games in general like to go to war, right? They like to battle. They like to hit things and they like to kill things. And Vader not only is very good at doing that individually, but then he enables other characters to be even better at doing that as well. So I think, A, that's why Vader is so popular right now. And personally, that's why I like Vader is because I like to go up and and smack things. Obviously, he's much more than that, you know, as a positioning piece himself, as as a threat. You can just double advance him somewhere and park him on a point and tell your opponent, I dare you, and then see what happens, right? And more often than not, they'll just avoid him or they'll commit too many resources to trying to take him out. And then that allows your other units more leeway into doing the things they need to do. Now... Comparing that with why he's so popular is also his partnership with General Grievous, right? And I think that, to me, 
is probably my sore point with Vader. I think, you know, Vader comes in this more bespoke box, right? It's yeah, has a higher price point tag. So you obviously want the characters, right? As a consumer, you want these characters to do well on the battlefield. And I think everyone can say if you buy that Vader box, you're getting a great primary and a great secondary. Two characters who are both great and good in the meta, right? Yeah. Iconic too. Absolutely. Money well you have spent. Darth Vader and Obi Wan. Money when money well spent indeed. And and then on top of that, Obi two, as we lovingly call him, is a great tech piece against these very aggressive strategies as well, right? So uh, you're really getting a good bang for your buck there. But then what that compounds into is this list, right? Which is Vader Grievous, and a lot of people are talking about Vader Grievous. We've seen it firsthand. And while we do have our thoughts and theories on how to combat it, I think the average player playing Shatterpoint is probably going to have a negative player experience, or an NPE for short, when playing against this list, because it can be very oppressive, right? I think I liken this to back in the day, I used to play Warhammer Underworlds, and very brief analogy here, there was a character that was called Molog. And when Molog came out in the game, what he would do is he would just one-shot people because he was able to deal three to four damage. And most characters in the game were three to four health, right? So if dice were just slightly above average or even average, right? Half the time you're hitting, half the time you're not, you're one-shotting stuff. And that doesn't feel good for anyone playing a game because in a way, not only is it oppressive for players who like to play more control or objective-based strategies, but if someone also wants to play aggro, then they have to play at that Vader Grievous level Mm. Or they'll always lose to that Vader Grievous, right? Yeah. Barring dice and player skill, of course. But on average, like you, that, that's the standard. You have to match it or you have to try to play against it in, in other ways and try to maybe out control it. And I think a lot of the conversations that I've been hearing or watching or reading have been centered around Vader Grievous, Vader Grievous, Vader Grievous. And it's honestly kind of a silly list, right? You take Vader... You take Obi-2 or you take Django. Yeah. You take Arfs or something. Magnus, Magnus, right? Magnus or Arfs. Magnus is the most popular. And then you take Grievous with, again, a very strong four cost. Yeah. Secondary. And then fifth brother. Or B2s. Right. More of the two. You just take. Yeah, there's a lot of options. But if you just want to run up the board and punch people, like you have a ton of melee characters that can do that. Hmm. I guess the best way I'm trying to say this is I just think it's a little too much, right? Like. Vader shouldn't be able to influence all of this stuff, right? Yeah. Like, he's Galactic Republic and Galactic Empire tags for a reason. His identity, and I think this would go a long way to curbing a lot of the excess. Okay. I'm all ears. Is making his identity only function with Galactic Republic and Galactic Empire characters. Yep. Thematically. It's, it stays in theme, as you say, thematically, but also makes you stop abusing it like you can't run it with luke right who's probably going to abuse it you can't run it with grievous who is currently abusing it and you can't run it with magnus who are currently abusing it as well sure you have your fifth brothers but we can talk about this later but the inquisitorious package is really reliant on his identity right yep and honestly the republic characters they may need it or they may not it might solely be an empire thing but yeah i just don't think it's cool that any schmo can just pick up and be placed with Vader and automatically just one-shot characters. Like, Grievous, yeah, sure, he should and can do that. Yeah. But Vader makes it so consistent that 
It's actually insane. And then after he one-shots people, if it's a force user, he gets to recover twice. So it's like, okay, that damage didn't even matter. There was no price. Right. And you might thinking, well, you know, if he doesn't wound the guy, then, you know, he doesn't, he still sits on the damage, but it's like, well, true. If he doesn't wound you, the character that he attacked is probably has a crap ton of damage, which means Django can not so fast them pretty easily and bullseye him. Or they're stacked with conditions. Or most of the time, which I know mathematically it may not sound likely, but your character probably just got one shot. It happens all the time. So not trying to you know go on a rant. That's certainly not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to explain the fact that I think Vader is a problem in this game, specifically paired with Grievous. And I think players at a high skill level can combat it. But imagine if you took the number one shot point player in the world, whomever they are, and then they're playing this list, and they have all that positioning skill, all the target priority right. skill, all the anticipation, that force economy management, and you take all of that, and you make dice. them play this list, and just say dice are average, yeah. and they're playing this list, I will put $100 on them winning the game every single time. Well said, yeah. And let's juxtapose, too, the dichotomy of Vader Grand Inquisitor versus Vader General Grievous, right? It's like Grand Inquisitor has the same identity as Grievous, right? In a way, but his is just Inquisitorious characters. And Grand Inquisitor, a great model by himself, but he has a harder time than Grievous getting to models, killing models, right? And like the theme should be more rewarding to the Grand Inquisitor Vader players, right? Than it should be the Grievous Vader players. And part of this is game design. Part of this is the nature of competitive players, Amon, where it's like they want to win more than they want theme. I do still love this what if theme of Vader and Grievous working together, the cyborgs taking on the world. And like I said, I think it's less strong, but I think one of the most fun lists that I did on the Rogue Support podcast is like Vader, Grievous, all droids, right? Like if what if Vader joined the Separatists, right? And was like, no, like I figured out Palpatine's game, right? Like we'll do this thing. Like that's very cool. But this whole thing you're talking about, something that really rubs me the wrong way too is... Vader Grievous is very strong, yes, but I think the true problem lies in the secondaries and supports, where it's like you just grab whoever, like you said, and with through Vader's identity, not whoever, you grab S or A tier models, right? And through Vader's identity, they just go off the charts. They were already a great, good model without Vader, right? And now they're off the charts. So things like Django, Magnus in particular, right? Some of the best models in the game for their point costs, right? And then you give them the option to use damage as a resource to add more dice to get through their tree very effectively. And now maybe it is a problem. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk about Django, right? And people are thinking, well, Django's like range expertise is so good. It's all crits. Yeah. Okay. Well, I encourage you try making a melee attack with Django with Vader's identity and you'll see that it's three more dice. Often quite as effective, just as effective, right? You may not get as many crits, but you're still getting like on average three, four or five successes. I mean, it's pretty nice. And, you know, you mentioned them, obviously Obi-2, you know, when he gets Last Stand of the Jedi, he's a monster unit on the table. Oh, right? yeah. And that's only with him getting two more dice. Imagine Last Stand of the Jedi and then using the Vader identity, you're getting five plus a dice on your melee attack. Like that's insane. And then you get a ton of recovers on his tree, right? So you're saving that, yeah. that resource. Again, you're refunding it. And so fifth brother... Even fourth sister, she's really good, yeah. right? I think a lot of people slip on sleep on fourth sister, and that's only because if you compare her directly to fifth brother, he is the superior choice. But she's insane, yeah. But she's also great, yeah. 
So I find it curious as to how AMG will address it if they ever address it. But I definitely think my biggest challenges with the current game state are Vader. We've talked about Django quite a bit. Django, high offender. Django is a huge offender. I mean, not so fast is backbreaking in certain circumstances. Whipcord being the cost. Whipcord exactly being one force. I think Fifth Brother's fine, honestly. I don't really see any too big problem with him. Obi-2 is fine as well. Yeah. But I think Django and Vader probably need some sort of change in the competitive scene. And the argument could be, hey, Amon, your points could be valid, but the game and the meta is ever-changing. Yeah. We have so many releases on the horizon. For sure. And your answer, or my answer to that, would probably, you're absolutely right. There are. But my answer also would be, Vader is probably still going to be the most influential primary six months from now. And Django will probably be the number one secondary unit in the game, period, six months from now, if not longer than that, right? Oh, sure. I mean, look at him with Cad, right? It's insane. Like, to get that much more refreshing a force on top of his already basic refreshing, and then Cad's also passing out recovers as well. I mean, the theme is right, right? But I mean, at the same time, I'm using Cat as a reference because he's our newest model that's out in the world, right? And he's incredible with Cat. And I think he'd be incredible with Cat without Cat's synergy with Bounty Hunters, but that's just one example. Well, the fact that you can play that list a point down, which may not matter so much in Shatterpoint, right. but you just take Django over Aura and it performs better. Maybe is Django a should be five. Yeah, maybe. I'm not saying he should be five. I'm just saying. We'll fix Whipcord them. needs to be two force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least. Just do just do that. We'll start there. Yeah. But, and this is getting into our main topic now. Yeah. Another way to alleviate some of that, what I would call nonsense, right? Is playing premiere format. Yeah, let's talk about this. So premiere versus the standard format. What does that look like? And what does that limit you to do? So of course, if you're not familiar. Strike team selection during the premier showdown event, players do not submit a single strike team as normal. Instead, players submit a premier list of four separate squads and one mission set that they will use to build their strike team at the start of each game. Each squad must meet the normal squad building restrictions as detailed in the Shatterpoint core rulebook. Additionally, when building their premier list, players may not include a unit that shares the same unique name or unit name with another unit already in the premier list and must apply all special rules applicable to building the strike team across all four of their squads. At the start of each round, before determining the first player, each player builds a strike team by selecting two of the squads out of the four, alongside their chosen mission set. Players build their order decks in secret, then simultaneously reveal their entire order deck to their opponent. Additionally, you cannot escape your destiny during a premier showdown event. Players must choose each of their squads to be included in their strike teams during at least one round of the event. When a player who is assigned a buy round, they choose two squads from the premier list. Those squads will still count as having been played during the round to not punish players that got a buy. So that's my favorite rule is you cannot escape your destiny, right? I think that's yeah such a chef's kiss mm. on thematicism, but then also making sure that if you're going to build a list of four teams, you got to play the list of four teams. Got to play right? them all but before the event's over. 100%. So... I really appreciate you summarizing that because I think that's really important for this conversation. Okay, so Jesse, imagine that you're making a premier list, right? What are some of the things that you think about when building any sort of list? Well, this format's a little bit different, right? So through that lens, it's maybe, is there a primary I want to play 
most of the time. So maybe that's an initial thought I have. So if maybe for me, if I want to play Galactic Republic, do I want to play General Obi-Wan Kenobi most games? If so, let's build my premier list around that, facilitating that. I agree. And I think that actually brings up a really good point, right, is how different people may approach different list builds. So the cool thing with premier format is you can take a single primary like Obi-Wan or Vader, and they can yeah. be the linchpin of your entire strategy, where it's my other three primaries, whomever they are, and their lists will always synergize with my primary game plan. In this case, could be Obi-Wan or Vader or Dooku or whomever, right? Another way to list build is to just create two pairs, right? So I can take my, again, Vader Grievous, yep. right? And then I can take my, let's just say Obi-Wan Mace, right? Just for lack of, just keep things simple and just say, my opponent knows they're going to play one of these two. I feel very confident with both of them. I think they're both good. I'm going to play them. Maybe the Vader Mace or the Obi-Wan Mace isn't the best example, but you can take like Vader Grievous, Maul Talzin, or Maul Lumi with all Mandos. And like, that's boom. Two high quality performing lists and you can play that. That's like the third tier, right? Where it's kind of like you can start mixing and matching a lot. Yeah. Let's go Vader, Maul, Talzin, fourth primary of your choice, right? Correct. Yeah. And then you have the the like three or four lists that all function together. And I think that's yeah. the hardest to create, but it's probably the most rewarding because of the fact that you are going to be able to really pull whatever slots you need to pull in order to help you against your opponent. But your opponent's also going to have the most trouble trying to prepare and prep for your list, right? Because they're going to be like, well, I know Amon likes Vader. He's probably going to go Vader Grievous, right? Or whatever, because I just think he's already played both. This is probably his best chance of winning. I can maybe try to combat that. But when you have all four, right, then your opponent's like, oh, I don't know what he's going to pick. So those are some general strategies in building your premier list. And these are a couple of reasons why I like this, right? Number one, we've talked about the the opulence and the strength of the Vader Grievous list. But if you take that Vader Grievous list, and let's say you take Django, you take Fifth Brother, you take Magnus, and you take Obi-2 or whomever. Yeah. What are you going to put in your other lists? Exactly. Right? They don't have Django, they don't have Obi-2, they don't have Magnus. Because even the Maul, Lumi, Mando list that works really well prefers yeah. Django over Gar as the second primary, right? And then you're thinking, well, that's an easy swap. Then I can just put, you know, Rex instead of Django. And Rex also hits really hard in melee. And he does, right? Yeah. I don't think we're saying it's a perfect solution. But I think what it does is it makes people really think. Because if you put all your eggs in one basket with Vader Grievous, well, at some point in the event, you have to play that other list. Is that in the round one? Is that in round two? Is that in round four? Is that the finals? Right? Like, at what point Risky. do you take the risk? which is why I think Premier curbs a little bit of that excess. Okay. But it's not solving the problem, right? At the end of the day, Vader's identity, I fundamentally believe it shouldn't work with just anybody. Agreed. Because even if it just worked with Empire and Republic, it's an amazing identity. Mm-hmm. And who knows? Maybe people would put time into making these crazy Republic lists that have some legs. But Vader being so strong also actually bumps Republic down because... Vader's really good at killing primaries. So is Grievous. Who are the linchpin who need to do the most work for Republicalists? Well, that's also their primaries, right? Yeah. And then on top of that, Grievous gets that force refresh and the recovers when he takes out a force user. Not to mention the Republic do struggle with the fact that their 
clones supports are very, very lackluster at the moment, right? So yeah, I'm sure you can talk all about that. Sure. Well, also, you know, while we're here, the premier format's kind of funny because Republic's kind of in a weird spot with it because they don't quite have enough clones for the premier format. I assume that'll be changed very soon when we get the wolf back, right? Information and cards and out in the world assembled on the table. But that paired with the fact these rules where you can't take two of the same named character, right? So if I really want to play, for instance, I've talked about on the show a lot, my Mace Lumi list, which has OB2 in it, right? Well, that list is completely dismantled in some ways because I probably want to play General Kenobi if I'm playing a Republic all premier list for Republic primaries, right? I probably want General Kenobi as one of those. So Kenobi 2 is just out of the equation entirely, Amon, unfortunately, right? And it keeps going with Republic because now we, you know, similar to you saying like maybe the premier Vader Grievous list doesn't get Django in the right spot, right? It was very similar for me as Republic as well, which I also think is a very good balancing act and player skill thing, but it's like, who gets the ARFs? Is it Mace? Is it Anakin? Is it Vader? Only one of them gets the ARFs, right? So, and honestly, some of those lists can't even play without ARFs, right? Just point-wise, right? So you start running into a lot of hard decisions very quickly. So maybe, like you said, does this curb the problem, fix the problem, squash the problem? I think curb is the right answer because unfortunately, it's still going to reward players that can mix synergize well, right? Because like I said, if I want to live that dream of all Republic, at the moment in the game, I can't quite do it in an effective way. Number one, because we don't have the units. Number two, because maybe I want to play Vader over Anakin. And now my resources are limited of three costs that I can play. Do I really want to play five of first on my list just to bring Mace in? Is Vader with five of first with Mace with ARFs good enough? You see what I mean? These are good questions. It's good to be in the game, but it's just funny that I think being devil's advocate here, the premier format goes all the way down to even the weaker list too, in a way where it's like, okay, now I'm playing Republic, but I can never play Obi-2 if I want to play General Kenobi, right? That's fine. But I'm also like, I feel like I'm hampered by that. Meanwhile, maybe in the standard format, you can just take Vader, Grievous, good models and just maybe that's the highest ceiling, right? So we've got this like spectrum of range we're kind of dealing with. We're trying to figure out where the game is in its best. And I do think the premier format, the game's at its best, but we're still figuring it out. Agreed. And and I think maybe let's talk about why we think the premier format is the best, right? Outside of this Vader Grievous conundrum, I think that we're seeing in the community. Yeah. And a lot of that I think has to do with the fact that it requires more preparation, right? Like you really have to think about, again, we talked about the type of ways that you can build a premier list. Do I just take two setups that just work well independently of one another? Do I have one linchpin and then all three tag in with that linchpin at some point over the event? Or do I just make a list that can synergize and interact with each other in many ways for great scenarios, right? Yeah. Three massive options, like of differences, right? Exactly. And so from there, I think it's important to think about like for me, like, okay, I think at some point, once you've gotten enough games in Shatterpoint, right, anybody can kind of probably figure out at some point what's good and what's not good, right? Obviously, there are some units that I think, and as we've seen, require more work, more investment. Like Padme, for example, which I think, you know, Jesse is a big fan of Padme, as am I. But Padme is someone that I think a lot of people have written off 
but she's actually great, right? And maybe Aura, maybe she'll be the best secondary. Who knows? Maybe no one's unlocked her yet, or maybe no one's made that strategy aware and shared their success with her. Aura's innately better in this format, right? She just is. That's true, too. Take people's tags, fill your point costs when necessary, things like that. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think once you get to that point, to back to my original thought here, like what's next for you as a player? Like how do you evolve? How do you grow? Okay, I know how to play Shatterpoint. I know how to play the meta stuff. I maybe came up with a counter meta list. These are some of my favorite units I've decided to play with my friends or in less maybe competitive environments, whatever. How do you take your skill to the next level? And a lot of that has to do with that turn zero stuff, right? And it's something that we're very familiar with, with MCP, because the base game of MCP is played in that manner. And I think AMG did a really good job of overcoming that barrier for a new player, but then allowing that experienced player to enjoy that matchmaking and that list selection prior to the game that we're a fan of in this in these other game systems. So if I know Jesse's a Republic fan and I pair up with him in a tournament, I might have an inkling of what he might want to play, especially considering he's looking at what I got and he's probably going to try to pick the best setup for that. And then for me, I get to get, okay, cool. Well, I can either try to do the whole, Jesse thinks I'm going to play this, so I'm going to trick him by playing this instead. That's a that's a risk you could take. And it's I think we both pulled that off at some point in our gaming careers. Yeah. And it's definitely worth it, right? But then there's also this element where it's like, whatever, I'm not going to worry about what Jesse thinks I'm going to play. I'm just going to worry about, I think, what's going to give me the best chance in the Republic. And he might do the same, right, into whatever list I'm playing. You described my whole game plan, Mon. Did I? Not necessarily in Shatterpoint, right? But in gaming, you know this, where it's just, I learn something people are not familiar with or think are is bad. I play it well because I learn it. And they're not prepared to play against that because they thought it was bad. So they never prepared for it, right? I don't know. Story of my life. And that's good, right? I mean, you did that in Imperial Assault, I think, when you were doing Scum, Scum and Villainy. Right. That's what you shared. Helped get X-Men on the map. That's right. That. Yeah. I did that with Warhammer Underworlds too. Like, of course. Everyone was like Vampire Crimson Court. That's not a very good team. It's very mediocre at best. And it's like, well. I think Republic's positioned right now, like that right now. I mean, they are harder to play and they are weaker overall. But if you learn them and know them, you're, you're positioned in a really unique spot. Yeah, I completely agree. And I look forward to seeing what you do with that. But I think it's a very roundabout way of saying it just allows you to be a better player and express your player skill mm. and your individuality and really like process your your thinking, right? Like your thought process. Because then someone can ask you later on, hey, why did you pick that? And right. then you can talk about it. Or you can say, hey, I don't know, actually. I think I made a mistake. And then now you know, you've learned that lesson. And I think that's really interesting from just the premier perspective as a whole. I also think it makes you live and die by your choices, right? Your list is locked. You can't change it every week. You can't change it every round. So you build a bad list, you'll suffer, but hopefully you don't, right? And then again, I think that's part of that learning process. But again, in this premier format, if you're like, okay, someone's playing against that Vader Grievous player in your local meta, all right, well, they're probably going to play Vader Grievous. What is my best list to counter that? There we go. Right? And maybe I can build a list that I only ever plug in when I think I'm going to play a Vader Grievous list, and it's like the ultimate counter, right? It takes my OB, that's my OB, that's where my OB2 goes. For sure. I'm going to turn off an attack at least, right? One or two. Maybe I take characters that have more built-in protection, or maybe I take in more characters with control. Like I think Talzin is very good into this list yeah. because manipulating hand them away, you know, then they have to- For sure. Can, 
Vader and Grievous, again, are both very agile. You know, that's another challenge with both of them is they can both double Fast. advance. But moving them out of position, everybody hates that, right? So there's so many things that pop up. And, you know, I, I think I've shared a lot, Jesse, but I'd love to get your thoughts and, and some of your rebuttals, even, right, onto what some of these thoughts I've, I've shared. Sure. No, I think the thoughts are really good. I think we're still in the infancy of the premiere format. And I think we've kind of not been brave enough as a community to really explore it. I say that willingly and openly with my own leagues that I'm running for low there with them on. And also even the primary TTS leagues where it's been like, we tried premiere initially and then we switched in both leagues to open because it's just more fun and more easygoing for the community at large as it should be. But at the same time, in a way I'm on myself personally, I kind of adhere to a premiere format when I play leagues. My goal is to learn something by the end of the league. So I typically only play two or three lists total, right? Just overall. So for me, Premier would be a cool way to extend myself to a fourth list. But also, I'm still kind of getting that primary goal of, for instance, the last Lothar League. I played Mace every game, right? Or pretty much every game. And it's like, this would be a way to, in that format, okay, do I really want to play Mace every game? It's Mace and whoever, right? What does that look like? I also think that'd be really helpful for me as a player because it'd give me maybe to bring something like Anakin or Vader in my list, which I don't normally play, right? As my fourth option, right? And and what does that look like? What does Anakin or Vader look like with Obi-Wan or Anakin and Vader look like with Mace, right? Those are my linchpin pieces. Now, not everything's perfect, right, with this. We've talked about this. I still think in this format, those mixed S-tier, A-tier model lists are still maybe best, right? But as you said, Amon, they still have this pivot point where they have to make a decision, where it's like in their initial list construction, first of all, who's getting X model, who's getting brother, who's getting Django, who's getting OB2, who's getting Magnus, whatever it is. But then that goes one step further. Like you said, they have to play every list by the end of the league, right? So they have to play all four. So maybe their list is three really strong primaries, but the fourth is not so strong overall, right? And they kind of have to figure out where to play that. I think that maybe is a balancing act in some ways. I hope. I hope it is. But also, too, I think the hardest part with that and the coolest part is like, okay, let's say Django is the best secondary in the game. That's a safe bet to say. Let's say he is. He is. He is. So if you're that type of player, which list is Django going in, right? Which list is Django being locked in forever? Is Django being locked in the list that has your linchpin character, as Amon said, like your Vader? Or is Django going in a secondary list to help you get additional power, right? Is Vader not getting Django because you're never going to play him every game to getting Rex? And then a secondary list is getting Django to give yourself a balancing of power, right? Or is just Django go with Vader and you're just playing Django Vader every game, right? That's maybe the pros and cons there, right? I don't think there's any rhyme or reason or any perfect scenario, but I'm very curious to see which path people lock. Yeah, I'm very curious as well. And I think that's the beauty of the premier list, like as you've said so yourself, is people can do different things and they can try different strategies. And I think that's the best part is how does that function? It makes models stronger that might be considered just a notch below in the in, in the community, right? So I mentioned Aura potentially, right? Aura has more play in this format. But like let's not even go as far as Aura. Let's just talk about someone like Gar, who's amazing. Gar's amazing, right? He just gets pushed out by Django a lot, right? Well, if you're a Mandos player and you want to play all the Mandos, you might bring Gar in your in your four. I think you should, right? He's in one of those lists, right? And then Django's in one of those lists as well. 
and Bose in one of those lists as well. You see what I mean? And now we're now we're talking about three different lists. So maybe you're not playing Bo, Django, Bo, Gar, Gar, Django, whatever every game, but like you're you're mixing and matching, right? And I think that's where it starts getting really interesting and like you're asking interesting questions, right? Where it's like, is that a really strong list? I think it probably is. All Mandos, all bounty hunters with Django who can take the Mando tag. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things, right? And I think it innately starts asking multiple questions of the player at turn zero right out the gate. And I really like the example you've given us with Gar here because you're right. I think Gar does get slept on a little bit. I think there is some argument that maybe he's not as good as Bo or Django. But at the end of the day, if you're taking Django and you've taken Bo, then one of your lists might need a Gar, right? Yeah. So if you want to play Mando Synergy, right? Exactly. And then from there, you have this whole idea where it's like, okay, well, these people maybe not be familiar to play against Gar. Like, Gar's got some really good expertise right at range. Maybe an opponent's not prepared for that. Gar's one of the characters that has a round one shoot someone in their deployment. He has well, that, that is true. I mean, that's also just awesome, right? Um, it's, it's unique to him. But also to Amon, you, you take this step one step further with the Gar concept. And it's like models like B2s have more of a place, right? Where it's like if you want to run all the droids... Originally, you had hard decisions to make where you're like, am I running Kalani? Am I not running Kalani? If I'm running Kalani, do I lose the B2s? Probably, right? And I'm going to B1s and Magnas, right? With my respective leaders of Dooku and Grievous. Well, now you can go like Dooku, Grievous, Asajj, get all the droids in your list, right? And then have a fourth squad that kind of fills gaps, like Cad Bane squad or a Maul squad or something, right? And you're getting use out of all the models, not only you paid for, but like the B2s are getting more on the table, right? Than they might normally in a premier format where you're just like, well, you know, I'm just playing Dooku Grievous as much as I can with Kalani because they're all strong and my B2s aren't just coming out because I don't have the points to spare. So I, right. I think that's cool too, honestly. I think it's cool and I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm quite curious to see how that continues to evolve ultimately. The premier format, I think, is the better format. I think it is the, gosh, I guess it's the less beginner-friendly format. For sure. And I think we've given the community the time it needs, right? Like, we've given everyone the opportunity to say, hey, play the game, try what you like, have some fun. And I think there is a place for standard events, right? Like, I think our patron leagues, they'll probably stay standard because people want to try stuff. They want to have fun. Yeah, and the cuts will be premier. Right. For sure. But when we get to these more competitive events, like maybe a Nova or an LVO or an Adepticon, yes. I'd love to see the Premier format in full effect because part of your tournament should be preparation and practice, right? Like well Will said. Schick said this with, I think, gosh, whatever those new events are called, challenger events or yeah. timeline events, that's what they're called. And he's saying, you know, when you're playing with a limited list, mm hmm and you win in this limited environment, that means you're a good player. If you can play multiple things well, and you win with all of those things, that means you're a great player. Because anyone can go to a regular MCP tournament, take all the best stuff, throw it in a list, and win an event. Oh, for sure. But when you put limitations on your list building, when you have to plan for playing four different teams, this is why we and like then it. you win, I think that's when you're the better player, right? Well, for sure. I mean, the case of Shadowpoint, we've said a thousand times this episode, and we'll say it one more time. When you can't bring Django every single time you play, right, because he might be the best secondary in the game, 
well, you're just a better player, right? Because you weren't leaning on the crutch of Django, right? And in the standard format, you can do that. You just slot Django in a fourth cost spot, right? But in this format, he's locked in a list. He's locked with the primary forever. I think that's good. Also, model variety I'm on is more exciting, right? Like, I haven't played a certain amount of models enough, right? I also think formats like this are where models that see less play get more play. We've talked about this before, but it's like models like Reva and Commander Cody, which might be on the further lower end of the spectrum of secondaries. Well, Reva and Cody instantly have higher viability in this form of play, right? Yeah, in theory, right? They're role players. That's the interesting part. They're role players. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think there is a place for, for example, like let's say you're the beatdown, right? It's a magic term. If you're not familiar with it, it's you need to beat your opponent down to win the game. And in every game, there is someone who is the The aggressor. aggressor. And so let's say you are the aggressor, you know, and you don't own Grievous or you don't want to play Grievous. It doesn't fit your theme. You can always take Grand Inquisitor, take him with Vader, and you can still be the beatdown. Oh, yeah. And they'll probably make for a better game for both you and your opponent because it's not obscenely broken. It's a more fair game, probably. Certainly. And the theme is more in line with like you're leaning on the Inquisitorious Empire synergy, right? Rather than just exactly. Grievous good stuff, Vader good stuff. Let's go. Right. Exactly. Like I, I again I fundamentally disagree with the fact that the Magna Guards and Grievous are are benefiting from that. And that's coming from a competitive player who doesn't really care too much about theme. <laughs> but I just think it's a balance that is needed for the game because like I have players who complain about it locally, right? Like I don't play that list. I think it's like if I was trying to go win Adepticon maybe or Nova or whatever, but like I don't even play it online, right? Like I just, yeah, I don't think it's fun. Well, like I said, you can even go like a softer version of that list, which is more thematic where it's just Vader Grievous all droids, right? And you, it's clearly weaker, right? But I think it's super fun. Right. Uh, I, I encourage you to do it. Right. Drop brother, drop the ARFs, drop OB2. You know what I mean? Just go all droids. And it's pretty fun. I mean, everyone on the list has some sort of cybernetic enhancement, right? Which is a fun thing. But we're not trying to pick on Vader Grievous today because, I mean, there's there's other lists that are equally powerful. We kind of think I'm on or close, right, in the game. You know, I've talked about it time and time again. I mean, any list with Maul in the hands of a good player is up there. Right, and we're gonna talk about this very soon, ranking ranking some of the stuff and potentially on our show. But I think we're picking on the Grievous Vader list today in particular because less so, less so Vader and Grievous together, and more just Vader identity plus every good model in the game, right? And that's where we're saying the problem lies, right? We're not really picking on Grievous himself. I think Grievous is actually pretty balanced within the game as an individual model, but. It's this I it's the concept of an awesome identity and taking every good model and just winning, right? Where your opponent feels like they, they can't climb the mountain. That's what we're against. Agreed. Just want to make that part clear because I mean, let's be honest, we love Vader and Grievous on the show. We've talked very highly about them because they're characters that we really enjoy. Yeah, let's not get it twisted. Like Vader individually, great unit. Yeah. I don't even I'm not even talking about Star Wars lore. Like yeah. any character in Star Wars lore. We are probably a fan of on this show at some point. <laughs> For sure. I think when it comes to, again, the... Min-maxing. Even min-maxing is fine, man. I don't mind it. But I think there are... That's true. We've talked about I this. I think this is a scenario where it's like, this is just not fun to play against. Like it, Again, I just think like, the, to me, this feels like kind of like a Thanos or Malekith problem. Okay. It's not that it's 
min-maxing. It's that it's just functioning too well. You're not getting you're not getting to respond as the opponent. That is part of it. Yeah, which is very frustrating. The I Thanos think, but it's problem. also sure and the Malekith. Yeah, but it's also like for those of you who are not early understanding those MCP analogies, you know, forgive us for making those analogies. It's just what we know. But similar example to what I said at the beginning of the show with Moloch, right? Which is like you have this character who just effectively gatekeeps in some way. Mm. And what this play style is doing, this list is doing, is it's gatekeeping. There is no beatdown that is better than this. So true. You will never outbeat down this beatdown list. Mirror matches are just who rolls better, which that's not fun. No. Right? And then when you compare it into other lists, like sure, that's the list to beat. But if the list to beat effectively moves a significant portion of the available units in the game out of the meta to where people don't even touch them because they have no shot into said list, that is a problem. And I don't want to like start yelling that the meta is warped or whatever because like I, as a it's person, not. as a player, right, am able to beat this list, right? And that's because I have put effort into figuring out how to beat it without succumbing to that level, right, of having to play that list myself. I've beaten this list with Republic. It's possible. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But the challenge, again, is it's not, we're not talking about you or me no. or no. other top-level players. We're talking about the average Shatterpoint player and the another average Shatterpoint player. One is playing this list uh, and someone is playing something else. There's no there's no shot. I, I, prove me wrong if you can. I'd love to be wrong, but <laughs> there's not. And so I understand that AMG is very reserved when it comes to changing the yeah. way that things work, especially, you know, Early. Vader comes with a hefty price tag, the box. But I just yeah. don't think it should be a universal plug and play like it is. It's too meta warping. Vader runs the game. He is the best unit in the game. He has the best leadership in the game. This is our opinion. And he has the most health. He deals the most damage. He's the most consistent. Yeah. It's like the fact that you can double advance and guarantee two damage in your attack, right? Like, it's pretty nuts. Oh, yeah. Any support is dying pretty much every time, right? So if you're clones, you're just dead. You just are. So, yeah. No, good talk, Amon. This has been a really fun, organic conversation about the state of the game. And this is not the sky is falling. We actually think Shatterpoint's like one of the healthiest early metas we've ever seen for a game. And Amon and I have participated in a lot of game systems competitively and casually. We've, we've created a lot of content for a lot of game systems. This is just the current, you know, issue. Really. And it's 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 worth talking about. Yeah, and and as I've tried to reiterate multiple times, and I'll be super clear here, is that this isn't like a problem, I think, for people who are playing like at no. the bleeding edge of the meta. No. I don't think it's an issue there. Especially you put it in time with your list, right? If you're if you're twenty, thirty, forty Obi Wan games in, you can deal with this, right? Like Obi Wan primary games, right? But at the same time, they I mean, also even could then just, I they could I don't just know. they could just spike. Yeah. They could just yeah, fight. they just roll you, right? And that can be any game, sure. You can say, hey, Jesse Amon, if I roll well in any game, I should win that. Perhaps. True. I've also played games where like my opponent has wounded like eight of my units, and I've maybe only wounded one or two and still won. And Jesse, you have two. And listener, That's I'm sure you have way. as well. That's my normal way. Right? Yeah, I'll push back on that because I'll say, you know, Shatterpoint at the end of the day, why, why we love it so much on the show is because it is less dice dependent and it is so positioning focused massively it's kind of insane right less than our other game systems we play on the regular so though this list is strong oppressive good stuff is good stuff in every game system if you out position your opponent 
you could just win too, right? So hope is not lost, you know? Yeah. And again, to finish my thought, just, just jumping back real quick, even though Jesse, you make some great points here is this is a problem for newer players getting into the game. That's all. Yeah. That's why we're so passionate about it, right? We're not like, I want to grow the game just as you do, just as we all do. That's really what we want, right? So, and if everyone wants to play Republic and then Republic has no shot into this list, no, someone's going to feel really bad for spending all that money and then not being able to play what they want to play. And someone just running around, you know, and like, I get it. Like, if you want to win, play Gravator Grievous. Great. Do it. But I challenge you to be better than that because you need to grow up, help you grow your community, number one. And if you have a super meta, meta competitive min-max community, great. You're very lucky. Play it to your heart's content. But I think if you're a community leader that's trying to grow your community locally, then I think you should avoid playing this list yourself, especially if you're like that number one player in your community. A, challenge yourself, but B, like, give your locals a shot. If you, I'm telling you from experience, I would win every single Warhammer Underworlds event in Houston. Guess what? No one plays Warhammer Underworlds in Houston because I try hard at every event because I didn't realize. Oh, wow. Like, I did it because I was trying to just prove as that I'm the best, right? Like, this is me as my personal, personal non, yeah. non-community member, just like, I'm showing up, Man. I'm going to take your prize support, I'm going to do my thing and leave, right? And that's what I would do, is I would show up every month at the tournaments, beat everyone up, and it's like, I was happy because I hit my personal goals. What I didn't realize is I was killing my own community. And so now I'm super sensitive to that because in order for me to play Underworlds games, I got to play online, right? I'm very lucky I get to play MCP and Shatterpoint in person. And I think we as a community do a really good job of trying to curbing that excess. Like, yep. people will say, hey, you know, like, I'm a really good player. I'm not going to bring Malekith or I'm not going to bring Thanos to an event because I will win. Right. So I encourage you to do the same thing if you're in your local community because, I don't know, it could be someone's first event and you could completely turn them off from it. They could have such a bad experience where, like, they drop or they finish and then they're like, you know what? I don't think this game is for me. And that's it. It's over. It's done. You just lost a player. And I think this list does that, honestly. Ooh, well said, Amon. Thanks for that personal story. And yeah, I, I think adjacently, if you want to play an aggressive list or a strong list, but not quite this intense, you can go adjacent to this and it's just as strong, just slightly less. You know, you could play something like Amon's Played where it's Vader Maul. You play something like Keeping Within the Theme of this list. You could play something like Grievous with Dooku, also very strong. Great list. And you get to live the dream of like droids swarming the board holding points. The theme is right. Duke and Grievous are responding where the droids need help. Vader Maul and Grievous Duke are an amazing list, right? You're just not going to stomp someone all the way in the ground. You're just going to play a really strong list and have a really fun thematic time. So I encourage you to do that, you know, and try it out. So it's one of those things where until Vader's identity is tweaked or changed or ratted or something, potentially, like you said, I'm on, we're always going to be dealing with this issue. Vader, good stuff, is always going to be a problem because Vader's identity is amazing, as it should be. It's Vader. Just don't play him with Grievous. There we go. And that's how we're going to close out this show, guys. It was a really fun <laughs> episode. It went some places we were not expecting, which I really love. Of course, you can find us online, several spaces. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch, all at the same place, at HelloTheirCast. And you can always email us at HelloTheirCast at gmail.com and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. Of course, you want to support the show. If the show brings value to your life and you want to help us grow this community and spread the love of the game and just kind of help us pay our bills and keep doing this show to the quality we want to do, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash HelloTheirCast, where you can join the community at a low tier or even a mid tier and get that extra bonus feed. Of course, we got to thank 
low feel for our show's music. It's always incredible. And you can find me and I'm on several spaces online. You can find me, Jesse, everywhere online at the same place at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. That's Twitter, Instagram, Longshanks, Discord. Find me on all those places. And check out my show, Fury's Finest, about everything Marvel Christ Protocol and the Marvel Universe. I'm on where can everyone find you? You can find me at A Man Who Games on X and then everywhere else. It's Amon Kusro. I'm the only Amon. Amon has added all the Amon's lightsabers to his collection. I have. So there it is. Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode, we went a lot of places. Really fun to talk Star Wars and Star Wars Shatterpoint more nebulous with you. Stay tuned because we have some big episodes coming out very soon. Some very exciting episodes about more of this content and also more character-centric episodes in the near future. But until next time, may the Force be with you. 